Hi, I'm Chris. And I'm Matt. Welcome to Roleplay Chat. We are two game masters who can't stop talking about role-playing games. And today we talk about the subtle dance a GM must do between enabling and challenging their players. And as always, we will try and focus in on role-playing so that we can get better at it together. Cool, but as usual, before getting in the discussion, how are you doing, Matt? I'm good, I'm good. I just got back from a short little family holiday. We went uh, to wine country and had some wine, went on the beach, and as always, thought about role-playing games. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember we went to one beach that had like these big sand dunes, and all I could think of is like, oh man, I've never run a game where the players have combat on sand dunes. <laughs> and I was trying to think of like, okay, you know, it'd be neat because there's elevation and it can be difficult terrain because the sand dunes are like hard to walk on. And, you, you know, sand dunes usually have a lot of, uh, like there's usually water or like marshland nearby. So the, there could be that too. And I was trying to think, I mean, in the Rising Tide campaign, it's it's a Caribbean style world that you mm -hmm. guys are playing in. So like, I, I immediately thought of, how I could incorporate that into the game, so uh, so yeah, nice. that 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 was my little mini vacation. It was it was a lot of fun. How about how cool. about yourself? Uh, my two last weeks are not as fun as drinking wine and being in the sand. Uh, <laughs> I've been going back to work, so uh, prep, prepping classes uh, to teach remotely a lot. Uh, but on the role playing side, both of my games, my players have. Uh, I guess, awoken from their slumber of uh, COVID during the summer. So both of my games now want to want to play. Uh, one one of them, um, because of you, or grâce à toi, what do we say that? Um, thanks to me, I guess. Thanks to you, yeah. <laughs> thanks to you. Um, we uh, we ha have a game plan, so that's, uh, that's exciting. I'm excited to go back to see the gang and get some role play in. Yeah, yeah, um, and we're gonna do yeah. our like a session zero kind. Of, I mean, it's not. I, I don't know what to call that. Like a session zero point one or zero. It's a structural meeting uh, for role play, <laughs> role playing game. It's it's basically we took a long hiatus, so it's gonna come back together. Uh, we we do that every. I would say fifteen games, twenty games. Would you agree with that? Just to like, I, I forget. Did we do? Did we do a second session zero with your game before? I mean, we did one, a big one after the like main arc of the story where. Oh yeah. And and it's often me asking like, what do you guys want, right? And the the first time after this big long arc, um, which was very like quick paced, and you were reacting to the story, you guys told told me. We want to be a little bit more freeform, a little bit more uh, like we go left and you adjust to it instead of having action happen to us all the time. So we did that for a while, but last last time we talked, you guys told me, yeah, let's go back to this big campaign epic uh, story. Um, but now we're it's been so long that I think we need to readdress exactly. I'm very strong. Uh, I, I I think a lot about setting expectations, and I think. It's very important in role-playing games. We talked about it. A lot of people talk about it. This is not like a new concept. So 
it's I think it's good. And the other purpose for that meeting is, as you told me, I think yesterday when we talked, just to chat to get it out of the way, kind of right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oftentimes I find that we get a lot of that chatting happening before the game, which is fine. It's fun. You know, we're catching up. We're a bunch of friends catching up. But uh, because we're playing outside, we have such a limited window of of daylight that I figured, you know, let's have the chat first and and hopefully get the jitters out uh, in this yeah. structural meeting, if you, if you want to call it that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have some new rules. I have some new items for you guys and some adjustment on little things. So it's a good place to do it and get back into the story and maybe talk about a little bit like we said in the past about pufferfish moment, maybe set some scenes in advance to get quickly, like to get the ball run, uh, rolling uh, right from the get-go. So I think that's that's good. It's, it's like you said, it's kind of like a session zero, but it's n not zero at all. It's Our characters are well-established. There's no new character. The story is established. It's just to get back into it. I, I mean, there's got to be a name for that. If you guys listening know what that's called, <laughs> let us know. Let's come up with a name right now. Uh, session. Um, what do they call it when they're like between? Like an interlude session? Interlude, yeah. Interlude, yeah, exactly. Okay, you guys heard it here first. We're, <laughs> we're, 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 we're calling that as our, uh, we're coining that term and we're going to shoot an episode on it. It totally exists already and it's exactly, it's probably called interlude. <laughs> you think so? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Otherwise, there's my other game, my, my my brother who, again, awoken from his slumber. He actually called me just before, like a, an hour ago, and he was like, when are we playing? I'm like, I don't know, when are we playing? <laughs> you know, so, uh, yeah, a lot of stuff going on. Cool, cool. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm happy we're going to start playing soon, and I'm also pretty happy with one of the polls that I came up with for Twitter the other day, Chris, um, that I thought created an interesting you know discussion with some of the the folks on twitter about challenging and enabling players uh the the poll itself kind of asked you know which one people thought was the most important between the two obviously they're both super important and as a result of you know seeing how close the the poll was it ended up being 58 or 59% in favor of enabling their players and 41% in favor of challenging their players. But um, it basically sparked an idea for an episode, didn't it, Chris? Yeah, and maybe something to mention is uh, that's out of 95 votes, uh, so it's still like pretty relevant. Um, I think there's there's something there from the discussion that we we had in the comment, like in the yeah, in the comment below of the, the this. Uh, this kind of a poll, and it was interesting to see also, like from day to day, one winning over the other. It, it finished with enabling, but I would argue maybe it's because of the discussion below. I don't know if it would have finished with such like a big difference uh, if people weren't commenting on it. And I think we're yeah, it definitely sparked something to 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 have a discussion about these functions. And and for when we were talking about maybe the concept of this episode, our f first and like go to was to kind of pin both against each other. Even though in your poll you say like, obviously they work together, like we know that, but because it's so like, it's like a dichotomy, we're like, oh, let's let's see what's best or let's face them against each other. But really it's kind of impossible to do, I think. 
Yeah, and, and that's kind of when we kind of realized it would be better for this episode to be focused more on just talking to them, to talking to each of the concepts side by side and trying to see, you know, how do they complement each other? When should you do one over the other? How do those two functions of the Game Master, I guess, collaborate or, or together when you're sitting in the hot seat as the Game Master? So that, that's kind of the, the goal of today's episode is to just chat about these things together and see how they interact and affect your game as a Game Master. Yeah. But maybe before we go into like it's going to be a bit abstract today and as usual and probably even more than usual we don't have a clear idea of where we're going to go but i think maybe to set the stage up we need to we don't want to say a definition but just to say what we what we mean at least you and i when we say challenge and enable so i mean I, for me challenge is a little bit more easier it's like it's just to put obstacle in front of, of your character to to be the opposition, to be the villains, to be uh, the weather that's causing problems, any kind of obstacle, any kind of challenges, that's why it's called challenge, uh, that you put in front of your player. And obviously, if you have no challenge in a game, that game, I mean, I, mean, I, I think, I strongly think that it's not going to be interesting. Yeah, it's, I mean, the challenge is what the heroes or the players are trying to overcome, right? It's, mm -hmm. like you said, enemies, weather, obstacles, whatever. It's it's something that they're trying to, to overcome. And, and then enabling, a, a, again, a very high-level kind of quote-unquote definition of enabling is essentially for you to facilitate your players' actions and choices by letting them do what they want to do or facilitating them to do what they want to do in the game. So, you know, at a high level, I, I think that gives a pretty good explanation of what those two things are. And I just want to, you know, reiterate how important it is for a game master to do that balancing act between the two. So if, you know, you listening are thinking, oh, one is for sure the best and blah, 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 it needs to be 100% of your game. I, I, I'd encourage you to think about that a second time. These two things, go hand in hand with each other and should be like we said at the beginning a dance where you're juggling from one to the other interweaving them constantly to to make have a fun time with your players yeah maybe we can address some of these because we, we we definitely saw some of them and i'm gonna i guess i'm not gonna quote someone because we didn't ask for their permission or anything but like the idea of someone on twitter said uh, that challenging player can lead to frustration, which is totally true, uh, while um, running with the ideas, enabling their choices almost never will, so that the choice should be to enable. And I, I although I agree with everything that's said, that, that is said in this kind of idea, I strongly disagree with the premise, because... Uh, it, it, the premise is that frustration, or at least uh, the struggles, are kind of like a bad thing in a role-playing game. And that brings me to the question, like, it depends on why do you play role-playing games, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and I think asking yourself that question or asking your players that question is an important thing to have. We, we mm -hmm. talked about a session zero. It's an important yeah. thing to have in a session zero. 
But it's also an important thing to question, right? You know, me as a person, I tend to shy away from conflict in general, but you can't have dramatic moments. You can't have uh, tension or drama or, 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 or even you can't properly enjoy the glory of, 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 co of completing something in your role-playing game without that challenge. So it's, you know, it's, it's definitely something like ask yourself why you play the game. And I, I like something that you said in a previous episode, Chris, where you said, ask yourself how you want to feel when mm -hmm. you're playing the game. Because if you want to feel that euphoria of, of overcoming being a hero or what have you, that doesn't come for free. Like there needs to be a struggle there somewhere. Um, yeah. yeah. For sure. And I think there's a lot to unpack there. It, it depends on so many things. Uh, and I guess that's what we're going to do today. But to address a little bit this thing of like, we need a challenge to succeed, uh, to, 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 to overcome. And some people said that in the, in the, on Twitter. And I think that's the approach I, I follow, which is you need to put the challenges to be able to then enable your players. Because if you just enable them, and by that we mean allow them to make choices, and obviously we can push this, say, like, if they're ridiculous and you allow them to do what's ridiculous, then you're going to have the consequence of it feeling not earned, which is what you just said, to feel uh, too easy. To f it's, it's like people, I guess, like on a video game, some people like to put the easiest mode and just rampage everything. And sometimes you want a challenge. And I think in a role-playing game, at least for me, I'd like to play at a certain difficulty level where challenging needs to be a, a very important part of mm -hmm. the experience. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I like the video game analogy. That, that's, uh, that's good. So I, I hope that sets the stage well for you guys in terms of what the conversation today is going to be about. Um, should we just dive right into it and see where it takes us, Chris? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Uh, I've already have like, so many things in my head. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I mean, let's let's take let's scale it back, and maybe ask ourselves, uh, you know, when when do you like to challenge your players, Chris? Like, what kind of timing or opportunity do you like to use as like that? This is a good time to challenge my players. I think. That's a, that's a good question. Again, there's a lot there. I think for me, okay, let's, let's unpack it a little bit. Let's go with encounters. Let's go through an encounter. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think the difference between me wanting to go on the challenging side, which is a very difficult encounter, for instance, or an enabling side where my characters, my players will have, my goal is to have the feeling of them basically crushing many, many people. Uh, I think it's exactly what I just said. Is depending on the feel I want it, I want to give it, mm -hmm. and it depends also where I am in the story. So, if I'm at a place where maybe they're at the beginning of a story arc and they're fighting a bunch of goblins and they just leveled up, for instance, then my goal is not to crush them with goblins. My goal is to make them feel like they can take a, an army of them and to make them feel awesome and enable them and have this uplifting moment where if they're in a place in a, the encounter after that, maybe then 
they're in a place that I want to feel gloomy and chat and difficult and 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 scary, then I will put a very challenging and it can be back to back, you know? So it it's not about like should encounter be challenging or should you enable all your players' choice. I think it really depends on the what the what's the feeling you want to give. You said like, I mentioned that previously. The feeling you want to give to your to your players. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I like that you brought up combat, actually, because I wasn't even thinking about, I don't know why I, I wasn't even thinking about combat <laughs> at all going into this conversation. But yeah, you're right. I mean, combat, and, and combat's kind of nice because there's a there's kind of like a metric, right? Like, you can tell how challenging it was because you will see how many hit points were, like, I mean, maybe that's a only one of the metrics that you can measure it by, but at the very least, there are tangible, mm-hmm. like like results that will come from an encounter. If an encounter, your all your players came out of it completely unscathed, well, you're not going to go and say, "Wow, that that was a challenging one." Yeah, and, and maybe we need to like point out a little bit. Like when I say enable, I don't mean oh, do you, I kind of equated it with like an easy encounter. But for me, the the moments where you decide between being challenging and enabling is when the characters are trying to to do something, if that makes sense. Like, uh, there's an example. I mean, there can be multiple things. But let's say you have a, a character that is very agile, and there's the big baddie, uh, and, and they want to jump on the, they want to parkour one rock, and then the other rock, and then jump, jump on the faces of the, the creature and, and stab them. Well, maybe if... If you want that moment to feel cool, you can enable. And again, we not again, but now we talk about the rule of cool. That's when this wins. You're gonna let that person do that because you want that uh, narrative beat. Where if you want that encounter to be challenging, maybe you'll be like, "Well, give me an athletic check and give me a second one to be able to do this." And well, that's not a great idea to do two times the same check, but you know what I mean. Like you, you will challenge because maybe the rocks are slippy. Uh, slippy, slippery, yeah, slippery, yeah, yeah. <laughs> slippy, or uh, slippery, or maybe the creature is faster than you think, and that's when you're gonna go from enabling to challenging. And we're not just talking about like the amount of, we're definitely not talking about the amount of hit points and just like the the CR of an encounter. No, 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 of course not. Mm-hmm. But the but the what I was saying, Chris, is that uh, a com a combat has kind of like a like a quantifiable metric at the end of oh, it. Yeah that a like a role play scene or an exploration scene being challenging might not have right like you might not be able to tell that your players are frustrated because they're having a hard time solving uh, a certain social interaction mm-hmm. versus a challenging combat where they're you know really struggling with the, the tactics and getting injured and blah 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 so anyway um but that's interesting what you just said like so yeah there's the combat and there's the metric and you can address that as a game master you can see wow my my players are really like <laughs> having a rough time but that encounter was to be enabling and then you can maybe adjust things but you yeah. said in a social encounter you don't have that so maybe that's a good question how how do you gauge how are you doing in terms of enabling and challenging into a social interaction? 
Uh, that's a good one. I, I'm not, I mean, obviously you can ask your players. Uh, we, we talked about the end of game debrief. That could be a good opportunity to bring it up, but you know, live in the moment, it, it can be a struggle. I mean, I, I think if you're seeing your players with a blank face or, you know, people aren't, aren't stepping up to try to do something, mm-hmm. maybe the challenge is a little bit too hard for them to overcome or, or they're, they're a little bit lost in in what they're trying to do next and that's where the game master can come in to to provide insight or or throw them a bone by giving them descriptions that maybe they forgot about or or wouldn't have considered Mm -hmm. i mean i think there's a strategy there that you just mentioned we're going to talk about strategy a little bit later but maybe since we're talking about it um if there's a, a situation and your goal is to enable them, I think something that in, our intuition is to maybe give more opportunities to the players to maybe make checks. So maybe you can be like, well, give me an intuition check or give me an academic check or give me a, depending on the system you're using, like you are asking for a check because you want to give them the information they need. Mm-hmm. Where I feel like if my goal is to, like I really want to challenge them for a certain investigation, then I expect them to ask me questions that I, that will trigger those checks. And I think that can be a very good way to control this enabling versus challenging in certain situation. Yeah, I mean, I suppose I, I checks can be tricky though, right? Like I'm not a big fan of I say that and then I do it though, but uh, <laughs> I'm, not a, I, I, I'm not a big fan of, of using checks to to create challenge. I, I think I, I like the way you're you're framing it. Use checks to help enable and not the other way around because you can kind of enter into dangerous territory, right? When you say, oh, this isn't challenging enough. I'm just going to make the dice roll uh, like threshold higher and oh now it's going to be more challenging that, that that's not and, and and i think we're on the same page here this is not what we mean guys by mm-hmm. challenge no um by challenge it's more of like we said before putting in a narrative obstacle putting in something that the players need to resolve or overcome and use their like ingenuity to overcome um and then if we do the dance you enable their ingenuity by allowing them to use creative solutions to resolve the challenges that you've presented them with um and to me that's kind of the it's kind of like this cadence I, Mm -hmm. i like to picture the game as challenge enable challenge enable and it kind of like Obviously, that's an oversimplification of it, but the way I see my games when I run them is is often I try to right out of the gate present my players with a challenge. Maybe not necessarily a hot start in terms of combat, but a hot start in terms of some kind of conflict. Uh, uh, when we started Rising Tide, I had you guys start in a storm, and you're trying to you know, make sure the boat stays afloat in the storm. So mm-hmm. challenge, enable, challenge, enable. But that's kind of the dance that I picture in my head where my job as the game master 
to make it interesting is to present you guys with the problem and that problem i i picture it as a challenge i don't know if you agree mm. with that Chris. i mean i i not only agree i actually drew kind of like a diagram that just has what you just said on it so <laughs> like, like i wrote something like for the progression of uh, a, a mission for instance so let's let's just let's start with somewhere where your characters come to you and are like we want to for instance let's say Diedrich as an example i want to build my staff and i'm like okay well my role is to enable you to build your staff so to do that i want you to be i, I see the end part where it's like okay i want to enable you to create this so the mission is me enabling this then i have to put a challenge otherwise it's not and that's why i'm like well if you don't put challenges you're not really playing role-playing game you're just you're just achieving whatever you want in a make-believe world right so so the challenge is what makes it fun for me so that's mm -hmm. the the like you put the adventure that's the challenge but then the method that your players come up with to uh, achieve or to to beat this challenge to beat the adventure that's where you become in this education mode where you have to like see what makes sense what doesn't and to me that's where again you're going to go sometimes with no i want to this is this is too far-fetched so i'm going to challenge it or yes this is this is maybe cool or this is uh interesting or it's smart or whatever you want to reward it. And you're like, yes, I'm going to enable your method of solving this challenge. And that's when at the end you get the satisfaction, the, the conclusion of the story, you built your staff, but it was only fun because you knew, you know, you had to vanquish all the challenges going on top of the mountain and then defeating the monster. And then being able to, at the same time, channel magic and blah, 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 blah. And those challenging make, makes it, satisfying to come back to what we said but like you said I, I think it's perfectly right it's just going back and forth and it's it's tug and pull right you you, you pull a little bit you and then you let go a little bit and then you pull a little bit and you adjust depending on i guess the level of challenge that the group is comfortable with yeah and i think there's like added benefit to this right like not only is there a sense of accomplishment in your player when they achieve the thing that they sought out to achieve but i think there's i mean there's role play benefit to the challenges that are presented as well right chris you, you know if mm -hmm. i mean obviously you could role play how excited you are to get your staff and you get it but <laughs> it it doesn't create it doesn't construct like a, a a narrative that tends towards some kind of resolution which you know I'm, I'm not an author but you learn in grade school that when you have a story that there needs to be kind of like a upward progression towards the ultimate climax and then it kind of resolves in like denouement and all that so like the way i see it the challenge is what allows that ramp up to be able to reap the benefit of that that reward that you get at the end um yeah it allows players to generate cool scenes with each other talking about the struggles that they go through it, it, it gives them pride in the thing that they achieved 
et cetera, et cetera. So like there's there's some neat role play benefits to, to all of this as well, I think. Yeah, I think I think you're you're bringing a new like this is a new dimension to it to like those challenges you you sh you should yeah I'll say I'll say it <laughs> you should use them as the role playing fuel you should use them as you're not sure if you're going to be able to beat that challenge or maybe you are like your characters have an interaction with that challenge and the challenge can be an NPC that the challenge can be uh, like a, a group of of uh, minions it could be a narrative beat it could be so many different things but how do they feel about it is gonna fuel this role play we're talking about yeah yeah so i mean we've talked a lot about challenge yeah and i mean obviously we talk about enable too but i don't want people listening to get the wrong impression um should we talk a little bit more about enabling chris and like the kinds of things we 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 as players want to have enabled or maybe things that your players have come to see you about chris and, and said like hey i want to do this or that and you've like, examples of things that you've enabled in your games yeah i mean i i think i might i might not answer your question exactly but maybe something that's related to it i think in terms of enabling i think one of the main things i like to enable and i like to have enabled as as a when I am a player, is my, I'm going to say it like that, my class and my race. It's my character. What, in the narrative, what is my character good at? You know, if, if Legolas and Aragorn are in a cave and, and there's a bunch of, like, goblins at the door and there's a little opening and they both take a shot and Aragorn hits it and Legolas misses completely, it's not, it doesn't follow the narrative. Maybe that can be a discussion by itself, like some kind of failure that can bring fun role play. But in general, I want the rogue to succeed at backstabbing more than the others. And I'm not just talking about stats. I'm talking like there's specific moments that the characters are supposed to be good at. Not only that, but there's specific story moments that for the narrative, to to make sense or to to be fun for the table there needs to be a success or a specific a specific moment where there's a, a success or a failure and that's why i love i love the fate system but maybe we can talk about systems a little bit later but i think this is why i want to i want to enable the players to be good at what they're supposed to be good i'm just going to put a little to finish there and, I'm, and then i'm going to let you talk because i've been talking a lot but Skill checks are a good example of that. So if you do a, a skill, um, is this skill check, skill challenge? So let's say everybody escapes from a, from a crumbling ruin and the, the, the warrior who's super strong wants to lift something. I don't want everybody to be able to make the same test. And then just the, the randomness of it may, removes really its power, if you may, mm -hmm. right? No that, that, <laughs> no, that makes a lot of sense. And and I I can appreciate that because it it allows people to have moments that they feel like they're 
special, I guess, is the best way for yeah. me to say it. Mm-hmm. Like if, if everybody has their niche and they can be relied upon to achieve what they need to achieve, it it does makes that character, make that player feel important. Um so that yeah, I've never actually looked at it that way. For me, and, and I never looked at it that way, but I can appreciate it. And like looking back on some of the games we've played where you've enabled me in that way, it felt good. So I, I can appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> and and, and um, it, can, it can, I'm not talking about necessarily like giving better odds. I'm, it might just be in, in descriptions, right? Just in description yeah, being like, yeah. like a 19 for the very powerful guy can be just, oh, you lift the boulder and you throw it in the air. Or the 19 for the weak person can be like, oh, you struggle and you just managed to remove it. Like, just that is, for me, enabling the character to get the most out of his, out of his character. Yeah, yeah. It's to enable the, per- enable the character to, to be who the character is or who the, mm-hmm. the player envisions their character to be. Um, and, and that kind of falls into how I picture it. To me, as a game master and as a player, I really like ingenious solutions to to, mm. to circumstances. So as a player, when I'm faced with a situation, I I want the environment that I'm fiddling with to be constructed in a way that allows me to come up with a creative solution to something. You know, if if I'm put in a dungeon where all it is is hallways that are two by five long and each room is just a bunch of skeletons that I have to fight and that's it, to me that's boring and I don't feel like I'm being enabled because I can't be creative. Mm-hmm. But if the dungeon has, you know, cover that I can hide behind or it has... Uh, cool puzzles and traps and intricate, you know, intricate components in each room, maybe a, a fun narrative that I can kind of try to piece together. I feel like there's stuff for me to go sniff out. And I feel like just by constructing the game in a certain way, I can be enabled. And and then mm-hmm. And then the next step of that is, Obviously, the game master has to allow me as a player to to look for those things and and to allow me to try to be creative in that way. So there's kind of like two steps. Like to me, there's kind of two steps of enabling, right? There's enabling in the design, and then there's enabling by facilitating my choices. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, that that totally makes sense, and and I I agree with everything you just said. I think it's interesting because I was talking about enabling the character. You're talking more about enabling the player, which is two different side of the same coin, I guess. Uh, and it's interesting. And I think it brings another question, which is how do you help the game master to enable you and your choices? And then by that, I mean, I think there's a specific way to ask certain questions. Uh, when, when a character, uh, when a player asks me, um, "What do I see in the room?" I might come up with descriptions, right? Mm-hmm. But that that player wants a chandelier, and I'll take this example because it's kind of trivial. But like, wants a chandelier to 
uh, swing from and land on the other side of the room. I would like this, like this to happen, or at least I would like the, the character to try that, or the player to try that. But if I don't know that's what he wants, uh, I might not put a chandelier, right? So instead of asking, um, is there something on the ceiling? I'll be like, well, I don't know. There's this, there's that. Maybe you'd be like, oh, I'd like if there's a chandelier to swing from one side of the room to the other. Then I might be like, okay, yeah, sure, there's a chandelier. And, and I think maybe this joins, this, this connects with a little bit of what you said of like, you want the game master to, yes, that there's the design, but also help you in your choices. And, and I think for that, I personally like when my players don't tell me, uh, don't ask me for a general thing, but ask me for what they want to try to do. And then I can be like, no, no, there's no chandelier. It doesn't make sense to be a savage. A chandelier in this room or you know what i didn't put a chandelier but there is now because it's cool right yeah no i and and i think that that can sometimes be like what you just said can be a hard line yeah to draw in the sand for some game masters right like and, and for some players some players might think oh well that means as long as i ask chris that <laughs> as long as I ask Chris what's in the room, he's gonna let me have it, and that's not what you're saying. I, I, no, no, I, no. That that I I get, but for people listening, I think that that's that might be a struggle that you face as a player. That might be a struggle you face as a game master, right? Like, what do you enable? To what extent do you always allow that rule of cool to take precedent? over the verisimilitude of the world that you've created and i think the answer to that is very dependent on what chris talked about at the beginning where he said why do you play role-playing games because if yeah. if you're trying to construct uh, a universe or a setting that's very consistent and that's you know you're doing a lot of hard world building if i mean even if you're doing soft world building but you want there to be a layer of of realism or consistency you can't fully enable a hundred percent in the way that Chris and I just talked about. Mm -hmm. You could enable in other ways, but I I I think it's important to know that you, you just if you just always say yes and to everything, it it I don't know. I I, I, I can't of, agree I, with that. Yeah, it's gonna the the campaign. I I think and maybe I'm wrong, and I would love if people. Tell me that I'm wrong about that, but like I think it's just gonna fiddle out. It's gonna die out. Like I think there's a and if I go back to like why do you play a role playing game? You want to be John McClane, who like has obstacle after obstacle, and you just make it every time, and you feel like a such a hero at the end. Or do you want to be? And that's gonna be a challenge. Is there a movie or a novel or something where like everything goes right? for the protagonist oh, i'm sure that i don't know but like but, but maybe it's easier for some for some people than john mcclane in the die hard right so it's it's depending on what uh, on what you want to be what kind of hero you want to be right um and and you talked about like oh it's going to depend on why do you play the role-playing game? And I think it's going to depend on a lot of other things. So I have a little, yeah, I wrote a yeah. couple of things here. Maybe we can address on what can 
affect are you going to enable or challenge? First one, maybe I'll, I'll submit to your discussion, to your opinion, is the level of your players. Like, are they newbies or have they played for 20 years or 30 years? That's true. Um, and and part of that, like, I'm just going to extrapolate a little bit. Mm-hmm. The reason why this is a valid question to ask is, it, I think, is because new players might not have that sixth sense to say, okay, I'm looking through the room. Do I see any ropes or things that I can swing off of the ceiling from? They they might not think to ask you that, mm-hmm. right? So as a player, they need a little bit more hand-holding for that enabling. Mm-hmm. So your design, I think, needs to consider that. And, yeah. and if you're trying to sell people on a system or you're trying to, you know, show people that it's, that it's, fun and it's a creative hobby i think you're probably on the spectrum you're going to lean a little bit more towards the enable the enable role i suppose um versus when you have more experienced players they might be able to sniff out the challenge and and figure it out a little bit better that that's just my gut reaction i don't know if you had a, a thought about that chris yeah, no, I think I think you're you're right, and I think like we we're talking about level of level of player as how they're used to role playing games, and it's 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 going to be totally in the structure. It's even in your description. New players often be like are, are like, um, what can I do? And you can be like, well, now you you will put opportunity to be like, well, there's a rope that you could sweep from the ceiling. There's a pool of water you can jump in at the at the base. There's this and there's that. Um, and, and instead of just describing maybe like, oh, you see there are chains at the ceiling and there's a pool of water, you can be like, well, you could jump into it. And that's where you enable them to make maybe choices that they wouldn't because they're not thinking about this. But more than the level of the players, I think there's also just the player themselves. Like remove just the, the hierarchy of like who played the longest just in our group, I have a player who not like, I think it was like two games ago, maybe last game, basically told me when I ask you for more details, I want you to enable my choice. Basically it was a whole conversation, but some of my players want me to give them a description and let them, let them tackle the challenge. So be a challenging game master where other players want, they want me to enable them. And I think that's where sometimes I have a problem. Maybe we can talk about that a little bit. Is is it fair to enable? And I'm not talking about newbies who clearly like you want to bring in the group. Like, is it fair for some players to ask for more enabling and other more challenging? Can it like? I don't know if it causes mm. frustration in my game, but sometimes I feel like it's not fair for me to enable one and challenge the other in the same situation. That's interesting. Um, I'm not sure I how I feel about that because I, I agree with you. It could create a discrepancy. I I wonder if there would be a way to achieve the same potential. Like, yeah, the, there there should be the same potential enabling for everybody. Yeah, but some players will need more hand holding to get to the full potential 
that you're willing to enable them with. I don't know if that makes sense. So well, from what, from what I understand is like, if people, if my players want to ask the question, they'll get, everybody will get the same answers, but the people who actually use it are probably going to be more enabled, but the people that don't ask the questions and come up with their own solution are going to have the satisfaction of having come up with it without me telling them. Is that kind of what you're saying or? Um, no, it's not. No, no, it's not. Um, let's, let's move on to something yeah. else. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, we talked a little bit about, about what these things are and so, how, how, what we like as players and mm -hmm. as game masters. What, what about, you know, the, the like consequences or, or benefits of challenging and enabling folks? Okay. What do, you, what do you think is the the to you your 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 favorite benefit of I guess of each? I think we we talked about the challenging me like bringing satisfaction at the end like at the resolution beating the challenge is what's going to bring the feeling of fulfillment. So I think challenging we talked a lot about. I think enabling again I touched a little bit on which is to make you feel like a hero. I think that's where I, I want to enable. A good example of that, and that's going to be a spoiler. I don't know if Aaron is listening, one of my players. Uh, last last combat, there was uh, a dwarf getting thrown off a mountain. And in my head, that dwarf was dead at the bottom. One of my players went, I want to see if he's okay. And that character is supposed to be caring, and he's like a healer. And he left the top, like the big battle, to go make sure that the dwarf was okay. He took two rounds to get to the dwarf. Mm -hmm. If I had just been like, dwarf's just dead, and he's like, ah, and just takes another two rounds to go up, that's four rounds of doing nothing. That the the player made a bold choice, uh, and there's going to be repercussion in role play, like we talked about. As the game master, that's where I chose. I thought he was dead, and he would have been dead if that guy didn't go back at the bottom of the mountain. But I want to reward that bold choice that's in character, that's suboptimal, that's interesting to the narrative, so he survived. I think that's enabling. So now that character has a satisfaction of having saved that life, and it brings, so to answer your question, what's the benefit? There's a whole range of narrative role play uh, benefit that can come up with that they can come from enabling choices, and we're not even talking about like taking control of the story, right? The the, the players might feel mm -hmm. like so. There's so much stuff. Do you, do you have anything else? Or yeah, I mean, I I agree with you. I I, I think one thing too that we touched a little bit about it uh, on it already, but I feel like when you start to allow player decisions and, and enable players to be creative in their solutions, you're going to get a more interesting game because mm -hmm. they're going to come up with things that you could have never come up with. They're going to come up with things that enrich your game. And if you shut them down, too often, they're going to stop doing it. Yeah. You know, they're going to get the hint that, like, oh, you know what? Like, 
I can't go out on a limb and try these things. I can't be creative in my solutions. So by enabling them a few times, you kind of start this this tidal wave of of possibilities and and your players might test you right they might be like oh man he let me get away with that yeah and i'm not saying i do that but like some people might see that as like oh the game master is going to let me do it like i'm going to see how far i can get away so it's something to be conscious of you know don't just enable everything willy-nilly like we we talked about before but but i think if you start to set a baseline of like You'll allow certain things, certain elements of creativity in your game. You'll let players make the choices they want to make in their game and the, for their characters to do cool things. You can, you can, like you said, enrich the narrative and add more creativity to the to the story. Yeah, and I, and I like how you said, like, to set a. I mean, I'll paraphrase, like, set the expectation of as a game master, when are you going to able, when are you going to challenge. And we talked a little bit and we kind of like changed subject about like how to do it maybe differently. Like what's the price of doing it differently with one player and one and another player? And we, we moved on, but I just want to maybe mention the effect of the girlfriend effect. You know, as the game master having the girlfriend as a I, I I mean we play with your wife and I don't feel like you do that at all. <laughs> but like I know that there's some people like if the game master and if the girlfriend is a player, it's it's going to be like favorite, uh, uh, favorite, how do you say that? Like a, a special treatment. Um, and that's going to be through that enabling or maybe challenging less and let them get, get away with more. So it's, it's something to think about the, to make sure it's fair and to, to, to see where your whole party, where you want it to be. And we like to, <laughs> we like to create spectrum here in, <laughs> in this uh, channel, uh, podcast or a role play chat i think it's a spectrum where you need to figure out where you're at i'm thinking i don't know you and i but i'm thinking me and in one of our, our our good friend who ran a game too uh called alex hi alex if you're listening um i think he's a lot more enabling than me he likes the cool solution he likes to give that cool moment uh, and and knowing that makes me come to the game with the intention of creating those cool moments, mm -hmm. which is by itself fun. Like it has value different than maybe I'm a bit more challenging. So there, there's a lot more of like the, the struggle, um, but just the different type of game maybe you wanna you wanna create. So that's the style you, you talked a little bit at the beginning, I think the style of Game Master. So yeah, there's this equilibrium, this dance that we, not everybody dance the same, and not every uh, not every player lack likes every style or like one specific style compared to another. So I think that's one of the big thing that maybe creates your style as a game master. Uh, I'm, I'm talking to the listener now, like yeah, for sure. And and I think part of that, like to to have that introspection and maybe ask your players where they think you lie on that spectrum. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I actually. Something that was really eye-opening to me was when, Chris, you told me, you know, Matt, you make us do a lot of challenges for stuff. Like, you make us roll a lot. And I actually didn't even realize I was doing it, to be 100% honest. I just felt like part of my job as the game master was to put obstacles in front of me. And I did a mistake, I, I, and I'll admit to it, when I couldn't think 
of a good challenge, I would be like, okay, well, I guess roll for it. Mm-hmm. And maybe I didn't say it with that 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 tone, but I was like, okay, like roll roll to see. And that was my way of being like, well, I, I can't just give it to them. Like it's too easy if I just give it to them. So I'm going to make them roll for it. And now looking back on that, I, I see how that was just me trying not to be too enabling. And I think it was to my detriment. So I, I would like to encourage everybody listening to kind of think of the same, same thing. Like w- when you're confronted with a situation and you don't know whether or not you want to enable the players or whether or not you should challenge them, think about, you know, you know do you really need to challenge them in this moment? C- could you just let them have it? Is it really going to, you know, why are you yeah. making them roll that dice? Why are you putting that challenge in front of them? Is it necessary? Is it going to enhance the game? Is it going to make it more fun uh, in the long run? And in in my case, making you guys roll a couple of times to see if you could lift really heavy cannonballs, I don't know if that was the right choice. I don't think it was, um, especially in the heat of the moment because you had done other things. Like, I had put other challenges that, that were more interesting and more fun and that mm-hmm. weren't just die rolls in front of you. So I think... That's enough about that, but I don't know if that sparks anything in you, Chris. No, I, I, I think it's right. I, to, be, to be fair, I don't remember telling you that, but if I told you and you took that <laughs> to heart, then, well, good, I guess. Uh, but I think you're making an interesting point that's important to make, which is challenging with stats and randomness by adding randomness, i.e. dice roll, or just adding hit points is not... I would encourage you to find other ways to challenge. Uh, and we talk a lot about challenging, but like definitely this is the go-to. Maybe that's too easy, and that's not really interesting. Mm-hmm. So it, it maybe the, the opposite, like the, the, not the opposite, but like another facet of this is if we take your cannonball example, if, I, if you say like you need to live that cannonball or, or like that's in this scenario, and I'm like, well, I'm going to try to live the cannonball. It makes sense that you're like, make a strength roll. I, I totally get that. If I fail, I need to make another one, another one, and maybe the DC goes up. I'm, I'm taking D&D right now. Um, mm-hmm. But if you, the narrative is like, you need to lift that, that boulder. And what I do is I create, uh, I take a one round to take a, a plank of wood to put a slope in so I can roll the boulder up. Well, I think that creative solution as the game master, and I think you would do that map yourself, you can enable this kind of creative creative thinking by saying like, you just do it, right? You just manage to do it. Maybe it takes one more round than if you just have roll it, or maybe it doesn't. Maybe it's that's where you need to make your call depending on your style, but, but that's the kind of creative thinking I want to enable, and I'm not gonna, it's more interesting than a die roll to me. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and I think that, that in that circumstance, there were other things like the reason that on top of that the die rolls were bad in my in my mind was that there were other things challenging yeah. there was a time crunching down there was enemies mm-hmm. escaping there was people dying like there were other things that were vying for your attention that were challenging you as characters and as players that i didn't need to also make you roll you know what i mean so yeah for sure. and this actually makes me think of a tweet that we got from uh you know, in that poll about you know enabling versus challenging from one of uh, one of the folks on Twitter, her their name is Cassandra, 
So at Cassandra underscore BR. And they said, you know, I want to enable players to interact with the elements of the world, establish relationships to influence, uh, relationships to them and influence them. But I picked challenge here as I believe the world presented shouldn't be easy to understand and navigate and not in a you have to roll well sort of way and i think that what they say here is exactly what we're saying right chris yeah, yeah. a challenge shouldn't just be a die roll it should be an interesting situation a complex social puzzle other circumstances in the game to kind of be tinkered with and resolved mm -hmm. and it's funny because like if you look at this at uh, this tweet uh, they say, I, I want to enable players to interact, blah, 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 as their main, like their starting point. But I pick challenge as my answer because it should, the world should be, should be difficult, basically. And that's what we're saying, like, um, set the world as a challenge, but enable your player when they interact with that challenge, right? So it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely... Um, I think we're getting, I guess I, we're two people, I don't know if we can talk about consensus, but it's really this dance. And again, like we do in, in normal episode, the goal here is not to come up with a definite answer on how you should do it. It's just to talk about it, maybe spark some conversation in your group. And I think the conversation we're talking about, and you mentioned before, Matt, is just to have the, the conversation and are you okay with this level of, enabling versus challenging. For instance, me, my two games, my game with my, my uh, Uber Strike campaign with my brother and the game that you're in, uh, those two games have very different level of enabling and challenging, uh, challenging level. For you, I'm a lot more enabling because it's a lot more of uh, a hero tale, uh, mm -hmm. uh, something where you guys are, it's, it's more, and we're gonna talk here, it's a little bit more high fantasy, where in the other one, it's more like a grim, grim world where there's a lot of struggle. There's a complete episodes, episodes, <laughs> complete games. When I write my summaries, I write episodes. But there's complete games uh, where they're just stuck. Maybe not complete, but like there can be like an hour, an hour and a half of them being stuck. And they love planning. So they're going to plan and plan and plan. And for them, the big satisfaction is beating those challenges. They don't want me to enable them. Otherwise, they feel cheap. You know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so, so. I think there's there's part of that, like part of that is system like oh yeah influenced by the system you're playing, um, and by your preferences for role play. I I I don't know how much how much the folks in that game role play, Chris, but I would argue that the more focused on narrative and role play a group is, the harder it becomes to get enjoyment out of that kind of planning or, or at least the enjoyment is a little bit different right like at, at least for me i know when i when i go into planning mode it's a struggle to start role-playing it because i want to solve the puzzle as a player and a little less as the character um i, I don't know if you've noticed that if if it like i mean i would be very impressed if all of their planning was in character. So they don't, they, they, I would say they role play close to as much, but they don't, they don't put, we don't put as much emphasis on role play with there, but, but they do it almost as much, I would say. Um, the difference is when they plan, 
the thing they're better at in terms of staying in character is they won't necessarily talk as a character, but they'll be like, well, my character is not okay with that plan. Like they'll say something like that. Where I think okay. I think in our and your group, uh, the group you, our group, let's say our group, um, the Blood and Betrayal campaign, it's more like we're in like completely in our character, and we're like having deep conversations in role play, and then when it's planning time, it's it's more like board game cap on, and we're the players now figuring out what we're gonna do, and then you go back into your character to kind of like. Uh, play through those decisions after or maybe not decisions but like go back to the game and then experience it through the eyes of the players where uh, the characters where my other group they they plan but they still plan they they're out of character but they make the decision as if they were in character so it's kind that's of actually different that's cool i didn't i wasn't expecting that answer to be honest and that's that's impressive so so they'll use their characters motivations and desires to educate the plan that they're making the whole time that's cool yeah and more than that like i've one of my character in that where he's kind of like using some of the other ones to do their bidding and it's part of like the game that that player when they're planning will act as themselves and in real life while they're planning but they will choose certain decision and they, they will manipulate the other players and making the decision that the character wants them to do. You know what I mean? Like, so, so they're not saying like, Oh, I, I would, I, I would, our, I would want our group to do that. And I will try to convince them in character. He just out of character manipulates them. And that's kind of a, another discussion. Is that okay? But that's, yeah, that's but... a very, that's a very, um, different kind of group i don't think you would enjoy playing with that group but okay yeah from, from what you just said i'm not sure i'm as impressed <laughs> anymore <laughs> no the way i'm saying is they're really like these their decision is really made in character but they're just not acting as their character when they're planning yeah 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 okay well i mean i think we're starting to run a little bit long but there was another tweet that i wanted to get to that i thought uh, was interesting and it, it kind of touches a little bit on the you know systems and how certain systems make it easier to enable mm -hmm. and and whatnot so i'll just read it out it comes from uh at waffles maple on twitter and and they said you know i would say the enabling function between the two while major tabletop rpgs like pathfinder and DD do rely on the challenge to often be very fun i've played a lot of games like fate where it's a simple yes and to run with and tell a good story. So if I had to pick one, that's it. Um, and I guess I, I'll let you start, Chris, with your thoughts on on systems and how they affect yeah, I the, the dance. And I'll okay, sure. I'll, I'll try to maybe stay be quick this time. Um, for sure. I mean, I played D&D and we, like, the Warhammer game with you is the Fate system. So let's say my brother's game to come back is, is the Warhammer 4th Edition, which is very grim, very axe-directed um, through challenge, where your game is the Fate system, heavily modified Fate system, which gives those tokens that are kind of like inspiration for D&D that you can, and there you get a lot of them, let's say like three to five. 
And whenever you want to succeed at something, you can basically have a reroll, an advantage. And that we found really quickly, and maybe you, you can talk more about it, Matt. We found very quickly that this was kind of a mechanic that was enabling the players to make their choices work when they should work, a little bit like what I was talking at the beginning. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I guess the, the, the caveat here, guys, is if you're playing a certain system, I suspect most of you are playing D&D, but you want a game that's more narrative, you want a game that's more you know, story-based, maybe consider other systems. I'm not going to preach about it, but there, there are other systems out there, like, like Waffles is saying. The fate system, these fate points, put it in the player's hands. You can use a fate point to give yourself, like, to basically, not guarantee, but almost guarantee a success in a certain circumstance. So, as long as there's a narrative reason to allow you to succeed at something, yeah, that's you can use one of those. You can use one of those points to succeed, and it 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 generates as such a game that incentivizes your characters to play in character. It incentivizes an interesting and good story. Uh, you get rewarded by getting more of these points when you do act in character. To the detriment of the party mm -hmm. so like it's actually quite it's quite intricate so i, I think that that's uh maybe as far as we'll go but just something to, to think of guys yeah so i mean we, we talked a lot about a lot of i guess i'm almost wrapping up here are we <laughs> should we talk about something else before i start wrapping up no let's do it i think i think we're good let's start wrapping up okay um so I, th I think we talked about different things that can affect if you're enabling or challenging. We talked about, we just talked about the, the, the system. Uh, there can be the level of player, uh, your style, the ambience you're going for, the uh, encounter level you're trying to do in the story, the narrative beats, uh, so many things that can affect in a specific situation should you be enabling or challenging. But I think what we can agree on is that it's going to be kind of like a, a juggling act between going from enabling to challenging and finding this finding this balance between the two is up to you and your table and having an open discussion about it is certainly i think a good way to to start this come the to, to to start this reflection about your 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 style yeah and i mean we talked about the benefits of challenging and enabling your players kind of concurrently right like you said doing this dance between the two it, it allows players not only to kind of you know to have their choices and actions facilitated by you as the game master but it also provides them with obstacles to overcome and a sense of accomplishment when they get to the thing that you enable them to get to by you know by letting them go in that direction but by also throwing something in the way that they could try to overcome so i, I think that that is as boiled down of a way for me to say the benefits of both being combined outweighs just doing one or the other. Um, obviously, your GM style is going to play into this, and I'd, I'd challenge you, if you're listening, to, to, to think about what your GM style is, to think about you know when you enable players, are you enabling them 
the the amount of times you enable players at your table does it match up with their expectation of how much they want to be enabled and the same thing for the challenges are you challenging them too much too little or just right and making sure that those challenges aren't just die rolls but rather intricacies complex situations a complex world uh npcs with interesting motivations that challenge the players and confront the players. Yeah, so maybe I'll, I'll end up before we we leave here by saying uh, in our game, in the Blood and Betrayal game, I remember uh, after uh, maybe a 10 game, I felt like I was challenging too much and my players wanted more enabling. And you can tell from their reaction or you can just ask them. And I just started enabling more and more and this is surprisingly easy to adjust i think to to give a little bit more permission to your to your players and you'll see if there's more they get more fun out of it or less fun out of it then obviously you can do the opposite um so i encourage you to to experiment yeah yeah and don't you don't need to stick with one right like what might be fun it, what might be fun at the beginning might not be fun 10 games in yep. so kind of the balancing act needs to be adjusted, which I suppose makes it even more complicated. Um, <laughs> but I think we've definitely gone a little over time. Sorry, guys, for this uh, extra long episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you guys had questions or, or thoughts about the topic, please feel free to reach out to us. You can do so by contacting us on Twitter. It's at role underscore play underscore chat. Or we have an email that's contactroleplaychat at gmail.com. And with that, we will wrap up the show. Good to talk to you, Chris. Looking forward to session zero. It's going to be great, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Let's call it a chat. <laughs>